Hi, and welcome back to The Voice of Healthcare, episode 14 for September 2018. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Matt Sapolsky. Matt, As usual, hello, the podcast world, US, globe, and the universe. I'm looking forward to this. This is great uh, to be back doing the show with you. This is another episode in the aftermath of the Voice of Healthcare Summit, which took place in August uh, back at Harvard Medical School. And we are very honored and privileged to be joined today by Oren Jacob of Pullstring. Oren, say hello. Hi, everybody. How are you doing today? Hey, we're doing good. And we're, we appreciate you giving us some of your time. Oren, share with us what your role with Pullstring and share with us what Pullstring does within voice technology. I'd be happy to. First, I'm the CEO and co-founder here at Pullstring. Company has been around for over seven years and been in the voice space since you were um, started back in the fall of 11. This is getting on eight years now, seven years. And uh, in voice, today we bring a platform to market and sell it called Converse. And Converse is used by some of the biggest companies out there to build exceptional voice experiences for Amazon Alexa and other voice platforms like Google Assistant and sometimes uh, for IoT devices as well. So mostly we focus on really high fidelity, deep, multi-turn, engaging conversation and see that built on our platform every day, brought to market that way. Thank you for that. So I was just on the phone the other day with Zach from Zandra talking about a number of different things. Of course, you know, they, correct me if I'm wrong, use Pullstring to create the Westworld Alexa skill. Am I right? That's correct. We are super excited about the work that Zandra's doing and happy to throw some additional love their direction anytime I get the chance to. They're great. Yeah, yeah. They were, they were singing your praises and, and good to hear you singing their praises. It's exciting all the stuff that Pullstring has been involved in already at such a young stage in voice first technology. I want to start, as we talk specifically about healthcare, with an article that ran in VentureBeat, uh, VentureBeat.com. We're going to link to this article in the show notes of the episode. It's called Hype Kills Value and Other Hard Lessons from Veteran Voice App Developers. This was an article taken from an event called Transform that was out in California, and there's a great quote, Oren, you were on a panel with uh, several other uh, fantastic folks for this, and they quoted you in this article uh, you know, talking about hype and uh, how hype can add, but how hype can destroy value. And your quote in this article is, the overpromising of the industry, meaning the voice space, voice technology space, has been threatening since the first TV broadcast of Siri. And I think that's such a great place to start with this conversation about healthcare. We're hearing a lot of hype, as there always is. People want healthcare to be fixed. They want improvements. It means a lot to everybody. So there's just hype that's inherent to the conversation. But share with us your thoughts on where we stand right now with regards to the intersection of voice technology, voice-first technology, and healthcare. And in your estimation, what is hype and what's reality 
for the short-term future of healthcare and voice being able to shape that? There's a, there's a lot to talk about there. I'd first like to comment on that quote. What I was referring to specifically was the TV ad of Samuel L. Jackson, I believe it was, speaking to Siri that Apple put out. This is like four, five, six years ago, some time ago. And that a lot of people then, if you recall YouTube videos, the people took the audio of Samuel L. Jackson from the ad and played it into Siri, which did not answer in the same way that the ad did at the time. So I think that Apple overreached a little bit half a decade ago. However, the promise of what they showed in that ad very much, this thing that's coming to becoming a reality today, both with Siri and also with uh, Assistant and also with Alexa as well, two new platforms there today. So I just want to clarify that quote from that, uh, that particular session you referred to. As far as what's hype and what's real now, I guess I'll ask you back a question there. You want to talk more about specifically in healthcare directly or broadly speaking in the voice assistant market? Because there's sort of different ways to take that conversation and both are, are pretty deep. So which way do you want to focus that? Sure. So I guess I'll rephrase the question. You know, I think we would, well, I'll, I'll ask you, would you, it's my opinion, voice technology is going to end up impacting every aspect of modern healthcare. Would you agree with that? Yes, I think that it will. And I think that it will impact different areas probably at different distances. Um, some may be a quarter or two from now, some may be a year or two from now. It depends on which particular area we're speaking about. Because when you talk about healthcare, you have to differentiate in the beginning of the conversation between end consumers who are the recipients of you know, things like prescri- prescribed medication and doctor's orders versus healthcare professionals who work in, in the clinical setting versus the research and development side of the healthcare bi- business where you're doing the clinical trials or developing new drugs and FDA compliance mixed into all those things in general. They're also different conversations with different levels of burdens of compliance and Fidelity and accuracy responses seem to matter in different areas there too. So happy chat about all that. Let's get sure. to that. So, you know, exactly right. It's going to end up impacting everything. It's just a matter of how long. And so I suppose my question is right now, you know, as we saw at the Voice of Healthcare Summit, voice technology is already impacting things like depression from seniors, you know, feelings of isolation medical adherence with drugs, stuff like that, there's already been a good bit of inroads made with that. So I guess my question, I'll phrase my question as, you know, just before the show started, this podcast we were talking about, right now the Apple event is going on. And we were talking about the fact that Apple has managed to get FDA approval for their device, uh, which is hard to obtain. And I think that there's no doubt in anybody's mind that it's not going to be too long before Amazon is successful in getting, in clearing some of the roadblocks out of the way for Alexa, whether it's HIPAA compliance or, or whatever other regulatory stuff that's in the way for some greater adoption. So my question would be, what are the next one to two areas of healthcare where you think that voice first technology and stuff like what you're doing with pull string will have an impact beyond what we've already seen maybe over the next three to six months or so. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you a, a couple of parts of answers there to, to, cause there's several areas to talk about. Let me pick on first uh, end consumer use cases for a moment. We have someone in my family who uh, is suffering from macular d- degeneration and that makes it very hard for that individual to see things both up close and far away. Voice has entered that household of 
my family very dominantly in the past year. And the amount that voice is used today by that individual, both to get news updates, weather updates, asking for information in general, and broadly, more broadly speaking, to the extent that one can with voice today engage the internet is happening already in my own family. So I can see that going on there. That is applicable very directly, as you commented earlier, to things like adherence to prescription medications, you know, two uses a day, do you take your pill or not back and forth? Well, that's not in market, or I should say in that household yet in my family. I suspect that will be very, very soon. Let's go simply from the reminder perspective. So can I, you know, get my Alexa skill to remind me twice a day to do a thing I have to do, the doctor said to do, while I'm setting that up myself, that can be done, I think, pretty in the course of a, you know, a quarter or two from now. Will we get to a place in a year or two from now that the healthcare provider themselves will set up their minor schedule for a prescription? Probably, but that's a little farther out because that's actually prescriptive, a directive from the doctor to do that. But I think that'll happen as well to aid and help folks who are most benefit from the reminders to come through a voice first engagement as opposed to a visual one. Since that individual is very hard for them to read, speaking of Apple, you know, an Apple phone or an Android phone today is too small for them to see at this point in time. So that's what's happening on that side. Going on the other side here, let's talk about. Another area worth mentioning is I think we might see, you mentioned Amazon directly. We also know from other public announcements that Mr. Bezos is interested in healthcare, broadly speaking, in the announcement of the past year as well. I wonder if uh, some of the Amazon employees themselves, when it relates to either adherence with prescription drugs or the rest, may test themselves out that way voluntarily as employees of Amazon or really of any large organization. What you do with your employee-employer relationship is different than what you do as an individual with healthcare providers as well. So we may see some focus for that. I'm picking on Amazon just because they built Alexa, but that could really be any large company themselves, all of which have a very large healthcare burden to support their employees as a benefits agenda and how well they track adherence to medications and the rest could be a thing we could explore as well too in the next couple, uh, couple of quarters. On the healthcare provider side, I think we're still far from HIPAA compliance today, but I know folks are working on that. And once the platforms themselves can validate HIPAA compliance in a voice first design and experience and market, I think you see a lot of use cases blossom immediately after that, if not in day and date with that. But that has, the platform has to get there first. So you have to get Alexa itself and Assistant in Siri and other voice first operating systems to be able to provide HIPAA compliance with skills on them. Once you see that, I think the rest of those things will follow up very quickly. Yeah. So this is Matt. I uh, wanted to follow up a little bit on where you were headed. I think that uh, for us that are interested in applications of voice tech in healthcare, you know, we could spend days and hours on compliance and risk. And to your point, the big boys out in the market are really focused heavily on how to do that well and provide integrity and privacy for such important information. That aside, I think that for the listeners out there, when it comes to the platform that PullString offers, I'm reminded of something that Michael, your COO, and I talked about in a panel with Bradley at the Voice of Healthcare Summit, which was the conversational capabilities that PullString brings and how that might be quite useful and interesting as an application in healthcare, whether it's provider side or patient side. The example he brought up, which I think for our listeners would wow them, and I'd love for you to reference that a little bit more deeply if you'd like, there was a uh, toy that you all had created a doll. Uh, I think it was a Barbie. And your examinations with young people, kids, children playing with it were really phenomenal as far as the time that they spent actively playing and speaking to this toy. So given the platform 
upholstering as the differentiator and the unique part of what you bring to the healthcare space. Elaborate for our listeners a little bit about why that's different, why that's better, and then maybe reference that Barbie example too, if you can. Let's start with a couple of facts of the case. Uh, the, the product you're talking about is Hello Barbie. It was built by Mattel, who owns Barbie, and produces them in uh, partnership with us. And Pulsar was res- responsible for the voice interaction software, both in runtime when the doll is actively engaged in conversation and in the design of the conversation beforehand. So we're the technical platform that runs both the conversations that Hello Barbie was authored in and then runs it in markets as it is today. It all came out a couple of years ago. Uh, There's the New York Times Magazine, sorry, New York magazine cover article about it. So you can read all about that as well as some wired pieces about it too. And to cite some of the um, stats there, uh, we regularly had conversations in single sessions uninterrupted that lasted many, 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 lasted over an hour of length. The record-breaking single uninterrupted session was 4.25 hours, I believe, which is, if you're into that, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, Director's Cut, Blu-ray, both just <laughs> with the credit crawl. That's um, incredible. So that's a long conversation. Hello Barbies were regularly invited to Thanksgiving dinners or other family events. And so some kids would bring their dolls to other larger uh, group family conversations. And while there, there was not a far field array microphone, like you see in top of an Amazon Echo, even then, often the children would become the interpreter for the family and bring Barbie into their family meals and have her chat with mom and dad and grandma and grandpa over the holidays and all kinds of fun stuff like that. So that was sort of remarkable uh, in both the length of conversation that was able to, that would happen in the market with folks talking to the Barbie doll back and forth. But let's talk about to the direct direct here area of, of, of computer conversation and voice design you're speaking to. The ability to design and develop and craft a conversation at that level of fidelity is the thing that we are very inspired by here to build tools let that happen. And to see folks take our platform and build stuff that great with it is always rewarding for us as the you know, engineering and building team behind the platform to construct it. Part of the reason we think that is possible to do is that we take very seriously putting into the platform that we sell here, uh, the basic concepts you find in studying English and rhetoric and debate and language, things like preposition, prepositions, <laughs> inquiries and gambits, uh, rejoinders and segues, the various constructions of language and how it flows back and forth are building blocks of our system. Yes, you have intent management, and yes, you have speech recognition, and yes, you have uh, text-to-speech, voice synthesis are all things that happen technically. But really what the job we view upholstering to do if we're successful in the market as a provider of this tool set and platform is to give people the workbench of language, of interactive language, to construct and build the conversations they want to design. And the view from that perspective, Barbie, once you bought that doll and are playing with it, the purpose of that conversation is not to close an e-commerce transaction. It is not to find your, your bank account balance. It is not to go get a stock quote. It's to have fun talking to Barbie. And so the more we talk and the more fun we have, the longer you apply back to us. And that's why at that point, how well the character Barbie presents herself, how well she listens, how well she responds back and helps move the conversation forward like a good trusted friend would do who you want to talk to is the purpose of the design effort there. And I think we've realized that a pretty high level of achievement to Mattel's credits and the team that work on it. Well, you know, I think that when we were at Harvard for the conference, what I can tell you about the audience after hearing that from healthcare application was this really big aha moment. And you mentioned it a second ago, which is, you know, these tools don't always have to achieve an end, but they've got to achieve interaction and reducing lapse of use. You know, a 
a little bit more of a crass kind of metaphor for this is, you know, things like birth control aren't effective if they stay in the drawer. So for healthcare applications with voice, how can we create these tools where people use them more regularly because they're more natural or to your point, they're designed by studying years and years of what we know about human linguistics and conversation, I think is an important point. Moving on from that, are there a few large takeaways from your time with PullString and the development of these tools that you think are non-negotiables for applications in healthcare that you could share with us and the audience? Yes, I have. Uh, well, we can do a whole other podcast on that alone, but I'll give you the hopefully two-minute summary. <laughs> but beginning with your previous comments, I think the field of healthcare pro- providers is well aware of the concept of bedside manner. And certain healthcare providers connect with different patients in different ways. And that's often how we, and influences our choice of which healthcare professional we may engage in our quest to become healthier. And also how they engage us as patients as well too, as the case may be. I think that concept is very directly resonant with what we're talking about here to your, not to your direct question about some of the key principles or concepts to approach voice with. I'll start with this main point, which is that the design of language, the word choice and word order, the tone, mood, and style of how one designs dialogue to speak back with is in effect that, not in effect, that is very directly the expression of being a quality friend and conversational partner to someone else, which relates back to bedside manner. And just getting the raw functionality of, you know, it is prescription prescribed or has patients taken pill. The, the, the data bookkeeping aspects of things that are business use cases for must be accommodated. But as you would design a website or a mobile app visually and care about your colors and your fonts and your layouts and the imagery you put in as well too, in this field, you have to decide on the words and the sentences and the phrasing. You have to actually craft and write dialogue and or generate it in a way that's believable and engaging and has a, a human touch and a voice behind it. And the direct note I would sort of offer to the listeners here is the character description of the character you are writing when you're designing one of these things is a part early in the process that is a primacy to understand what voice you are trying to craft for your particular health, healthcare or life sciences companies building a, a skill or for the, the, the Alexa skill you want to doctors to engage with or ones you want patients to engage with. Those are very different personas, very different characters that you would like representing those different conversations and understanding who they are and designing them. And from that, then it comes how they would speak, how the dialogue will be formed. And that, that communicates the tone, mood, and style of the conversation and the experience you're having as well, too. That's the critical part of the process to get it right. Well, I could not disagree with you. In fact, I think you, you offered a really nice synthesis of a lot of people's thoughts on that particular topic, which is, you know, just having individual skills and actions out there that aren't delivered through one, as you mentioned earlier, conversational partner causes fatigue and reduction of use and is somewhat wasteful. To me, it's a reminder, an analogy to what the web was like before search. You just had to remember the website. You had to go to it. You had to look up the address. And then all of a sudden, you could put keywords and search terms. And then SEO was developed. And that became quite useful. And then we, we can't live without them, basically. So one last question. You know, we're nearly out of time. 
And I wish sometimes that these things were longer because they get more and more fascinating as we move through the show. But this is somewhat of a philosophical question for you, Oren. You know, 25, 30 years from now, when you're sitting on a porch, sipping some lemonade, watching the sunset over a weed field, what is your hope for what Poolstring accomplished in the healthcare application space? I love that question for a number of reasons. Although my view on the porch would be of some snow-capped mountains, just to put that clearly from the porch I hope to have sometime in my life in the future. What do I hope the Pulse has accomplished? You know, I was privileged enough in a previous life to work at Pixar for two decades, and we were part of moving the field of computer animation forward in a fundamental way. My hope for Pulse is the same thing, that we move the field of computer conversation forward, and I'd like to comment on the way specifically I want to see it move forward. Um, I think right now, a lot of the fields, of, uh, and many of the Alexa skills and assistant actions you see a market, a lot of what Siri and Cortana are reaching for today is grounded in e-commerce transactions or search result queries put back or information retrieval. Uh, and those things all need to be there. So I celebrate those. But there's just not enough of the design of human language in the field today. We as, as humans invented language to you know, express describe and share the human condition in all of its breadth, width, and depth. That's why language is such a incredibly rich, but also ambiguous and complicated and amazing field. And so much comes from that. I just want to see like a thousand times more of that press right in to the kinds of skills and actions that are brought to market so that we are able to have conversations with computers like we have with each other. That's how we talk natively already. And you referenced Google a few minutes ago in your question, and it's right, the Google search bar came up and then we all learned to speak Google, although I actually mean type Google. So when we type in search queries, we use like funny words and weird orders to get to provoke Google to give us the right answer back. And so yes, we've had to adapt language to technology for many years. This is our shot to get technology to adapt to us and to learn to listen to us and speak back to us that we speak to each other. And that'd be super cool to do. So I'm excited to see um, the first signs of that in market today with the products that are built on Pullstring, exhibiting those qualities. And if you bought that, then the last twist I want to make is that my interest is actually related to Pixar as well too. At Pixar, the studio's interest was never to replicate reality. It was to pick the right qualities when wanted out of the world today, design them, bring them back as talking fish or talking toys. In our case here, my interest is not to replicate human conversation, but for the case of you know, healthcare applications or banking applications, entertainment applications, or, or other applications in voice, to pick and choose and select the best qualities of conversation that we see today, take them, understand them, design them, represent them back in a way that we can talk to computers in a designed and controlled way that really expresses the best of what it is to have a conversation and the kinds of communication and connection that come from it. And if we can strive for that, I think the field will do well to help a lot of folks be able to talk back and forth um, with technology in a way that's very natural for them. That's what the company wants to do. Well, I'll tell you this much. We are really, really bullish on what Pullstring is doing. We are big fans of you and your product. I appreciate your time. Bradley? You've been listening to Oren Jacob, CEO and co-founder of Pullstring. Pullstring will be at the Alexa conference taking place January 15th through the 17th at the Chattanooga Convention Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Oren, before we let you go, I want to mention you've got a white paper that's available through your website. It's called Three Fallacies of Conversational Artificial Intelligence. Tell us a little bit about that. You, people can go on your site. We're going to link to this as well. People can go on your site, sign up with Pullstring, get on the mailing list and download this white paper. 
give us a spiel on this white paper. Give us the, uh, the, the elevator pitch on what, what this is about here. There are three main points made in the piece, which I'll let all your readers enjoy downloading and, and taking a look at themselves. I'll highlight just a short bit here. There has been a general belief in the field in the last couple of years that the concepts broadly categorized as machine learning solve all problems in computer conversation. I think that is strongly false. Machine learning as a technology has been very, very helpful when it comes to improving intent recognition, certainly when it comes to improving speech recognition and the basic underlying core technologies involved. But that no machine, machine learning is a, and those concepts, broadly speaking, are used to understand and aggregate very, very large data sets and extract patterns out of them. And I don't think the world's best conversations that we've yet to have in the future are an average of ones we've had in the past. There are things that will be constructed and crafted by folks who are moving the field forward. And so machine learning as a technology and set of capabilities is critical to the field, but it does not address some of the much more fundamental needs we as in the field of computer conversation have, which is really moving conversation to a more human place. So you can read more about that as well as many other topics. And Martin, our CTO and co-founder, wrote the piece and it's up on the website for downloads. I hope you guys all take a look. Well, maybe in the future, what we ought to do is get you and Joe Marks, who's the uh, director of machine learning, to have a little joust off on voice tech and healthcare applications on the show. It'd be a lot of fun. What do you think, Bradley? Yeah, that'd be great. I'm talking to Joe anytime. I'm big big fan of Joe's. So we go back a long way. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, we are as well. Oren, thank you for the time today. Thank you for sharing your expertise, your experience with not just us, but the audience as well. We appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. For The Voice of Healthcare, episode 14. Thank you for listening. And until next time.